Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 15 of the World of Sports podcast, hosted by Diego Sandoval. I am your host, Diego Sandoval, and today we will be discussing the MLB Awards finalists. I will give my NFL midseason awards, and I will also, as always, be giving you my week nine bold predictions for the NFL. Uh, if you would like to follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram, be sure to follow at TWOS Podcast. Um, recently, this week, I have also started a TikTok for this podcast. Uh, the at is at the World of Sports Podcast on TikTok. Uh, as always, we're going to get into news from around the league. Starting off in the NBA, big piece of news came out yesterday. Uh, the players and the commissioner have conditionally agreed to start the NBA season on December 22nd. Um, earlier in the week, there was some struggle to decide whether it would be December 22nd or you know a month or two later. But they ultimately agreed on December 22nd, so based on that news, we're going to have NBA pretty soon here next month. Staying in the NBA, um, the New Orleans Pelicans are actively shopping Drew Holiday. Uh, this has kind of been hinted at for the past year or so. You know, they got Lonzo Ball. Uh, Drew Holiday seems to be kind of just a guy that's floating around on that team, and I think he could be of use to a lot more teams than the Pelicans, so... We'll see as that progresses. Also in the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers are expected to pursue James Harden in a trade. Um, However, the Rockets have uh, come forward and said that they don't intend to to trade Harden. Uh, But we will see. Things like that have changed before. Uh, As we know, the 76ers just hired the former Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, to their staff. So that could be some type of connection that the 76ers have to James Harden. But we'll just have to wait and see with that development. Moving on to the NFL, uh, this past week uh, we saw the NFL trade deadline come and go. Really not much happened, kind of a dud of a trade deadline. But there were some deals. Uh, The New Orleans Saints acquired linebacker Quan Alexander from the 49ers. Uh, Alexander was a pro bowler in 2017. Uh, looks like the Saints are really trying to build up and make a push towards the playoffs, whereas the Niners, you know, with all their injuries, they're really kind of starting to shut down this season. Uh, also in the trade deadline, the Tennessee Titans acquired cornerback Desmond King from the Chargers, a former All-Pro cornerback, and this is kind of the same situation. The Titans are building up for a playoff push, whereas the Chargers kind of have a lost season here and are just looking for assets for the future. Um, Speaking of the 49ers, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, after an injury last week, will miss an extended period of time with a high ankle sprain. He's expected to go in the IR, which is minimum three weeks. Looks like it'd probably be longer. Uh, Also in San Francisco, George Kittle is out for eight weeks, which is most likely the rest of the regular season. Unless they make playoff push, he could come back sooner, but it doesn't look like it, and he's going to be out eight weeks with a broken bone in his foot. Uh, Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford has been placed on the COVID reserve list. We have yet to hear whether or not he will play this week. Uh, He has not practiced yet uh, as of Friday, Friday morning. Uh, So it's not looking good for Matthew Stafford this week, uh, but we'll see how he is doing moving forward. The Miami Dolphins have placed running back Miles Gaskin on the injured reserve list. Again, like I said, the injured reserve means that you're out at least three weeks. um, So we won't see him for the next couple weeks. And then one piece of news in the MLB, the Cleveland Indians have announced that they intend to trade Francisco Lindor before next opening day. 
this really confuses me. They said that it was because of money, but it's pretty obvious that they have the money to spend for at least Francisco Lindor. You know, he's kind of their face of their franchise at this point. I don't understand why they would trade him away, um, but we will see. There are many teams, you know, who could fit with Lindor. I'll probably talk about that later once his, you know, talks start heating up. Um, but yeah, Indians intend to trade Francisco Lindor, expect him on a new team come next uh, opening day. That's all the news I have from around the leagues. Now let's get into the MLB awards. Um, the finalists for the awards were announced earlier this week. So I'm just going to go through each award and give my pick for each one of them. Uh, AL MVP, American League MVP. The finalists na- were named that were Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez, and DJ LeMahieu. Um, I'm going to go through every everyone's stats and then at the end, name who I thought who I think deserves the MVP. Uh, We'll start with Jose Abreu. He slashed. uh, Now I'm going to be saying slashed a lot in these next couple minutes. Just no slash. I'm going to say three sets of numbers. It's going to be batting average, on-base percentage, and and, uh, slugging percentage. So Abreu slash 317, 370, 617 uh, with 19 home runs and 60 RBIs in the shortened season. 43 runs scored and a war of 2.8. A really impressive offensive season from Abreu. You know, we've seen it in the past, but not really. He hasn't really blown up like he did this season. You know, 60 RBIs in 60 games is ridiculous. And 19 home runs is one of the top in the league. So um, that's why he's there. Uh, Jose Ramirez of the Indians, slash 292, 386, 607, with 17 home runs, 46 RBIs, 45 runs scored, and a 2.2 war. Another great season from Ramirez. I don't think that it's as good as a Abreu season, but let alone you know top three MVP candidate, great season. And then the final candidate, DJ LeMay, who um, you know he missed a couple, he missed a little bit of the season, but you know he made he made it enough uh, to qualify for the voting. Uh, he slashed 364, 421, 590. So great batting average, great on base percentage numbers. Um, 10 home runs, 27 RBIs, 41 runs scored, and a war of 2.8. Uh, so with all that being said, after you know going through those three great seasons, uh, my MVP pick is Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox. I just think that you know his impact on the offensive side for the White Sox was so important for them, and you know he 19 home runs, 60 RBIs in 60 games. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh, that's my AL MVP pick, uh, Jose Abreu. Moving on to the National League, and we'll go with their MVP next. Uh, the two, the three finalists were Manny Machado of the Padres, Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, and Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, we'll start off with Manny Machado. He slashed 304, 370, 580, uh, with 16 home runs, 47 RBIs, 44 runs, and a war of 2.8. Uh, Machado kind of, you know, almost flew under the radar this season, you know, with the amount of buzz Fernando Tatis was getting uh, on the same team as him. And Tatis was the front runner for MVP halfway through the season, but he really, really slowed down um, towards the end and obviously did not make the list for top three MVP candidate. Uh, but Machado stayed consistent, finished off the year really strong. Um, but he had a great, great offensive year and Obviously, he's great with the glove. Didn't get a gold glove, but uh, he did have a great season on both sides of the ball. Uh, moving on to Freddie Freeman, who slashed 341, 462, 640. 
Again, insane offensive numbers, as we've seen from Freddie Freeman year in and year out. He seems to just get on base consistently. Um, 13 home runs, 53 RBIs, 51 runs scored, and a war of 2.9. Freddie Freeman, I think, is one of the most underappreciated players and underrated players in the MLB. Uh, We've seen him have MVP caliber seasons and not even really be considered for them. Um, But it's good that this year he finally is, and he's been so good on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, you know, defensive isn't really his strength. First baseman doesn't do much over there. But he is just such a dynamic hitter. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can get walks. He can get on base. He's just a great all-around hitter. Um, So I think Freeman had a very good season. Uh, Moving on to the third and final NL MVP candidate is Mookie Betts. Uh, He slashed 292, 366, and 562 with 16 home runs, 39 RBIs, 47 runs scored, a war of 3.4, and a Golden Glove one. Um, Mookie Betts, you know, got traded to the Dodgers, signed the big deal, and made his impact felt immediately. You can tell that he's thriving in L.A. and he loves being there. And, I mean, it showed all season. You know, he he was able to succeed. He won the World Series, obviously, with them. Um, But this this guy is one of the best. In my opinion, Mookie Betts is the second best player in the MLB uh, behind Mike Trout. but Mookie Betts, I think the re- the main reason why he's in this conversation is because of his impact on the defensive side of the ball. You know, a war of 3.4 is ridiculous for a 60-game season. Um, it's just far and away the biggest, the, the best, I mean. Um, so that's why I think he's in this conversation. For me, the MVP is kind of a toss-up between Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Freeman obviously has the offensive numbers to get him over the hump, but Mookie Betts does have that defensive aspect to go along with his very good offensive numbers. But I think that this year is Freddie Freeman's year to win the MVP finally. He finally gets the recognition he deserves. Freddie Freeman is my National League MVP for the 2020 season. Now that we got the MVPs out of the way, let's move along to the Cy Young Awards. We'll start in the American League. I don't think this should be close. I think this should be the most obvious race in the awards, you know, category. I think Shane Bieber ran away with this award all season. Uh, the other two uh, candidates uh, are Hinjin Ryu of the Toronto Blue Jays and Kenta Maeda of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Maeda was 6-1 and one with a 2-7 ERA, uh, 80 strikeouts and 66 innings pitch, and a whip of .75. Very good whip for Kenta. Uh, he had a very good season for Minnesota after being traded there from the Dodgers. Um, it's funny, Maeda and Ryu were both on the Dodgers last season, and now this year on their new teams, they are Cy Young candidates. Uh, so Maeda, great season, but, you know, as I said, Bieber wasn't going to get caught all year. Ryu, again, another great season, 5-2, and two, uh, 269 ERA, 72 strikeouts and 67 innings pitched, and a whip of 1.14. Uh, but, you know, Shane Bieber, the numbers speak for themselves. 8-1, uh, 1.63 ERA, 122 strikeouts and 77 innings pitched, uh, a whip of .866. I mean, those are just unheard of ridiculous numbers from Shane Bieber it looks like he'll be leading that Cleveland rotation for a while as long as they don't decide to trade him like they have in the past with you know guys like Trevor Bauer Corey Kluber but you know if you're going to hold on to a pitcher you hold on to Shane Bieber especially after the season he just had and the 
I'm going to give him a 99 to 100% chance of winning this AL Cy Young Award. Now in NL, uh, this this race is a little bit tighter than the AL. We have three very good pitchers who made the top three candidates. We've got Hugh Darvish, uh, Jacob DeGrom, and Trevor Bauer. Uh, we'll start with Hugh Darvish. You know, really good season uh, after kind of a down year these past couple years with the Cubs. Uh, eight and three. 201 ERA, 93 strikeouts in 76 innings pitched, and a .961 whip. A great year from Darvish. Uh, he really, you know, kind of took that Cubs team into the playoffs. You know, they were kind of struggling earlier in the season, and he kind of picked it up and gave them eight wins that honestly boosted them into the playoffs. Um, also, a Cy Young candidate, we feel like it's year in and year out because it pretty much is. Jacob DeGrom, uh, again, 4-2. and two. The record won't really speak too much to it, but we know that about DeGrom. He's on the Mets. They never give him run support. 4-2, two, 238 ERA, 104 strikeouts and 68 innings pitched, and a whip of .956. A, a, good se- a really good season from DeGrom, but again, not the dominant DeGrom that we're used to seeing with the sub-2 ERA and you know the whip out of this world. Um, but still, a very good season from DeGrom. Uh, and the third and final candidate for NL Cy Young is Reds pitcher Trevor Bauer, who had a 5-4 and four record, but this is similar to the Grom, the Grom situation. He didn't get a lot of run support from the Reds um, throughout the season. Uh, and, I mean, how can you be 5-4? and four? He has a 1-7-3 ERA, so that kind of speaks for how much run support he gets. You know, he was almost a 500 pitcher with a 1-7-3 ERA. Um, so, really... Really, those losses are kind of more on the offense than they are on Bauer himself. Um, he had 100 strikeouts and 73 innings pitch and a whip of .795. Again, if, if you don't know what whip is, it's walks and hits per innings pitched. Uh, a whip under one is very good. A whip under .8 is very good. Um, but, you know, .795, that means he's allowing less than 0.8 hits and walks per one inning, um, which is very good, uh, which is honestly one of the main reasons why my NL Cy Young winner is Trevor Bauer of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, yes, you look at Darvish, you look at DeGrom, they, have, they might have better records or and what whatnot, but Bauer was so dominant all year. The 173 ERA, the 0.795 whip, I think that's just too much to look past, and I think Trevor Bauer will be the NL Cy Young Award winner this year. Moving on to the Rookie of the Years, and then that'll wrap up the MLB Awards. Um, the AL American League uh, Rookie of the Year candidates are Christian Javier, pitcher for the Houston Astros, Kyle Lewis of the Seattle Mariners, and Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. Um, they all had great rookie seasons. Uh, we'll start with Christian Javier, 5-2, uh, 3-4-8 ERA, 54 strikeouts in 54 innings pitched, a whip of .994, uh, you know, a pleasant surprise for the Astros. They weren't really expecting that. Losing Verlander this year, it really hurt them. They were looking, they had to turn to a guy like Christian Javier to kind of pick up the slack, and he was able to do that. And, you know, he led them to a decent season. Um, Obviously not as good as uh, they usually are, just because they're not cheating this year. Uh, But (laughs) he still, you know, he he did. He did well. Um, Not rookie of the year. Winner worthy in my opinion, but he had a very good rookie season. 
And moving on to the two hitters in this category, uh, Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, slash 262, 364, 437. 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, 37 runs scored, um, and an OPS of 801. Uh, a very good season from Kyle Lewis. Uh, he kind of was the catalyst in that Mariners offense all season. He bad a leadoff for them. Again, they didn't have a very good year, but he was a very, very bright spot for them all throughout the season. Uh, moving on to Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. He slashed 233, 302, 436 with 11 home runs, 31 RBIs, 33 runs scored, and an OPS of 738. Uh, great season from Robert. He was really good on defensive side of the ball. I think he won a gold glove for the um, White Sox. Uh, so that adds to his you know rookie of the year campaign. But, you know, you look at the offensive numbers of Robert and Kyle Lewis, and they're very similar. It's just Kyle Lewis is better in pretty much every category besides RBIs. So that's why my American League Rookie of the Year is Kyle Lewis of the Seattle Mariners. All right, moving on to the final award for the MLB that I am covering, uh, that there is, really, is the National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, the three candidates are Alec Baum, 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 of the Philadelphia Phillies, Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres, and Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, we'll start with Baum. Uh, you know, he, he kind of he was pulled up, I believe, somewhere around the halfway point of the season. He really didn't get that many ABs, um, which is why, you know, his numbers are so high. He slashed 338, 400, 481, four home runs, 23 RBIs, 24 runs scored, and OPS of 881. Now those numbers seem insane, um, but just because he didn't play that much of the season, I think he played a, maybe a little bit over half of the season, um, I, I'm i not going to give him this award just because if he would have done that over the course of the entire season, absolutely, I think he's the front runner. But the fact that you know he didn't play as many games as these two next guys that I'm about to mention, um, he is out of the running for me. Moving on to Jake Cronenworth, who was kind of in the lead in this race all season. Uh, he slashed 285, 354, 477, four home runs, 20 RBIs, 26 RBIs, or 26 runs scored, excuse me, uh, and an OPS of 831. Like I said, he was kind of leading the charge in the NL Rookie of the Year race all season. He had a great year. He was uh, really had a big impact on the Padres and one of the reasons why they made that huge push um, towards the playoffs, and obviously they ultimately lost to the Dodgers in the NLDS. But, you know, they had a very good season after many years of struggling. Um, but, yeah, great season from Cronenworth. Moving on to the final candidate, and that is Devin Williams, the relief pitcher from the Milwaukee Brewers. He was 4-1 and one with an amazing 0.33 ERA in 27 innings. He had 53 strikeouts and a whip of .63. Uh, now, we don't see many Rookie of the Years be uh, relief pitchers. But I think that this year it's going to happen. I think Devin Williams will win this year's NL Rookie of the Year. Um, just because, you know, the other two hitters in this category don't impress me too much, whereas Devin Williams kind of dominated all season. Um, and I think that really deserves, that gives him the Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, so those are my those are my MLB Awards predictions. Jose Abreu, AL MVP. Freddie Freeman, NL MVP. Shane Bieber, AL Cy Young, Trevor Bauer, NL Cy Young, uh, AL Rookie of the Year, Kyle, Kyle Lewis, and NL Rookie of the Year, Devin Williams. <clears throat> All right, moving on, we have the NFL Midseason Awards. Now, we are 
in week nine currently. Uh, we usually consider this the midway point of the NFL season just because, you know, there's 17 weeks, eight game or 16 games per team, one bye week per team, obviously. So eight weeks in is usually around the midway point. So I'm going to give my midseason awards for the NFL thus far. Uh, we'll start out with the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm going to give it, as of right now, to Joe Burrow, slightly over Justin Herbert. Um, you know, Burrow, let's just get into the stats, 2,272 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Uh, the record's 2-5-1, and one, but the Bengals really have stayed in games against really good teams. They beat the Tennessee Titans last week, who many think are one of the powerhouses of the AFC. Um and I think what he's done with that Bengals team after, you know, many people kind of writing them off all season, he's giving teams a run for their money. Um, and I think that's what puts him over Herbert. Uh, him and Herbert have pretty similar stats, but, you know, Herbert, the Chargers really haven't been that good this season. They've choked a lot of leads. Um, so, you know, I have Joe Burrow slightly above Herbert. Could definitely change uh, in the next few weeks. But as of right now, Joe Burrow is my offensive rookie of the year. Moving on to Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, I have Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, safety for the Buccaneers, winning this award uh, over Chase Young. Uh, Winfield has 31 solo tackles, two sacks as a safety, one forced fumble, and one interception. Uh, that's Those are really good numbers for a rookie uh, at the midway point in their rookie season. Uh, you know, Chase Young has missed some time with a little bit of injuries here and there. He's been dominant when he's on the field, but, you know, I think that Winfield really has had that bigger impact on his team, which is why I have Anton Winfield as my defensive rookie of the year up to this point in the season. Moving on to my offensive player of the year. To me, it's pretty obvious. I think it's Alvin Kamara. Um, he is just such a dynamic player uh, uh, running back for the Saints. Um, 431 rushing yards up to this point and 556 receiving yards with seven total touchdowns. He has already combined for a thousand total yards at the halfway point of the season. He could have an a thousand, a thousand season like we saw Christian McCaffrey have last year. Um, but he's just been so good. That team, you know, they haven't had Michael Thomas all year really. Um, and Kamara has really carried that offense on their, on, on his back. If you've watched some Saints games, it seems like, Every play is either a handoff to him or a check down to him, and he just makes plays happen. Um, and I think that dynamic part of him and the fact that he's kind of that whole offense and he's still succeeding the way he is, I think that that gives him the offensive player of the year for me. Moving on to the defensive player of the year, this was really close, probably the closest race that um, I looked into. Uh, but I have Miles Garrett as my defensive player of the year up to this point with a slight edge over Aaron Donald. Uh, Garrett has nine sacks, four forced fumbles, leads the NFL in both those categories. He has 19 solo tackles, and you really can feel his presence um, on the Browns' defensive line. You know, they've that team's been kind of inconsistent this season. They have a winning record. I think they're 5-3 and three at this point. But, you know, they've been up and down. They've been losing, you know. Um, but Miles Garrett has been a consistent, steady force in that defense. And I think, you know, he's putting up the numbers and he's shown his impact on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland. And I think that that's what gives him the defensive player of the year for me. Uh, two more awards left. Uh, the second to last one is the comeback player of the year award. And I think that no doubt this should go 
to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, obviously, Big Ben, he he missed all of last season. I think a couple games into last season, he had a big uh, elbow injury um, that held him out for the rest of the season. Nobody really uh, considered, um, including me, I really didn't, didn't think that Big Ben could come back and compete at a high level after an injury just because, you know, an elbow injury is so, so, you know, critical for a quarterback because obviously you need your elbow if you're a quarterback but he's come back you know had a very solid season maybe the stats aren't too you know they don't really pop out at you but the fact that he's able to lead his team he's got 1628 yards 15 touchdowns four interceptions and the team's seven and oh um and i think that's one of the big reasons why i have him in this award is he's led his team to an undefeated season to this point and i think that's something to talk about uh coming off of an injury coming off of not playing with that team for an entire season and then leading them to seven and oh to start off the, f- the next season that you're in that you're off of injury excuse me that's that's impressive and so i think that warrants big ben to be the front runner for comeback player of the year this year and finally the most valuable player i think this should be obvious to anyone that has watched one week of football this year and that is russell wilson deserves his MVP finally so many years he hasn't gotten it yet he's been so good year in and year out I think this is the year that he finally gets it and the stats really speak for themselves uh 2100 yards 26 touchdowns through uh through eight games I think they've played that's those are crazy numbers six interceptions which is you know we've seen that from Russell Wilson but the 26 touchdowns shouldn't be looked over just because of the six interceptions um and you know the Seahawks are six and one, but um, in my opinion, I think they're a top three team in the NFL, um, along with you know the Chiefs are up there, the Steelers are up there, obviously, but I think the Seahawks are in the top three, and you know Russell Wilson has just shown how good of a quarterback he is and how, you know, he's so important to that Seahawks team and that he is a top quarterback in the NFL. You know we've heard the last few years, oh is it Mahomes or is it Lamar? And Russell Wilson has consistently been left out of that conversation. Uh, my opinion, Russell Wilson is the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. But as of right now, Russell Wilson is having the best season out of anyone in the NFL, which is why I give him the most valuable player. Those are my NFL midseason awards just to go back through them. Uh, Joe Burrow, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Antoine Winfield Jr., Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Offensive Player of the Year. Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year. Ben Roethlisberger, Comeback Player of the Year, and Russell Wilson for MVP. And all right, this last little segment of the podcast, as always, will be my bold predictions for this NFL week. Uh, This is week nine, so here are my bold predictions. I think that the Dallas Cowboys will not score one point this week. (laughs) Um, We've seen they're in shambles. They lost Dak Prescott, obviously very sad. Nothing you could really do about it. Um, Andy Dalton is out again this week, so they're lying on Ben DiNucci or a practice squad quarterback that nobody really knows. And they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, who have arguably the best defense in the NFL. Um, the Cowboys offense these past two weeks without Dak have been terrible. I think they've scored 12 total points. Uh, so that's why I think this week the Dallas Cowboys will score zero. So look out for that. Uh, I think Bills wide re- uh, prediction number two. I think Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs will have a huge day. I think 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns will happen for him this week. 
you know, Diggs has really been a pleasant surprise for Buffalo. They traded for him. A lot of people thought he was kind of done after his time with the Vikings. But he's he's a, he's in the top five in receiving yards. I believe he's two or three right now. Um, Bills are playing the Seahawks this week. The Seahawks defense has not been very good. Uh, they've been forced into a lot of shootouts this year. Um, and Diggs is the clear number one guy for Josh Allen and the Bills. So I think that he's going to get a lot of targets, a lot of yards, and a lot of looks in the red zone. So Diggs, 150 receiving yards, two touchdowns, I think, this week. Uh, third prediction is that Cam Newton will get back on track this week with three total touchdowns against the Jets. Everybody knows the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and that will be said every single week for the rest of the season. I think that the Jets have a legitimate chance at going 0-16 this year, um, which is why a big reason for why I think Cam Newton is going to get back on track. Um, obviously, the Patriots have struggled these last few weeks. Um, they really just haven't looked good, but I think a game against the Jets is always good for a team to kind of <laughs> regain their confidence. Um, it's an opportunity. It's really an opportunity for Cam to go out and show that he still has it, uh, for Belichick and the Patriots to show that they can still compete. Um, but, yeah, honestly, I think that this is a great opportunity for Cam, and I think he's going to get three total touchdowns, at least one rushing. Um, we've seen him kind of struggle in the rushing game these past few weeks. I think he gets it back on track. Uh, my fourth and final uh, prediction is that Russell Wilson will add to his MVP campaign this year, or, yeah, this week. Uh, with 350 yards passing and three total touchdowns. Again, like I said earlier, um, it's going to be a shootout against the Bills. And I think, and most of Buffalo's games have been high scoring. Their defense has kind of allowed a lot of points to these higher scoring offenses like the Seahawks. And we've seen in the past few weeks, Seattle offense is really hitting their stride. DK Metcalf looks like one of the top receivers in the league. And Tyler Lockett is always there for the big play presence. Um, that offense is just so good, so complete. Um, and I think Russell Wilson has a big gate, big day this week. So, yeah, those are my bold predictions. Cowboys score zero points. Diggs has a huge game, 152 touchdowns. Cam Newton, three total touchdowns. And Russell Wilson, 350 with three touchdowns. Uh, thank you so much for listening to episode number 15 of the World of Sports podcast. That is it for me today. Uh, just recap, I've, I gave my picks for MLB and NFL awards. And I gave my week nine bold predictions as well. As always, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TWOS Podcast. Follow me on TikTok at the World of Sports Podcast. And let me know who you think will win the MLB Awards this season. As always, my name is Diego Sandoval, signing off. <laughs>